Sorry, I keep. I need a new. I need a new mic thing. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See? Rob, this is the fodder that we we dream about you, every day. <laughs> you're not the only one with difficulties. Difficulties today, today has been is my middle name. <laughs> Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis, and this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, July 30th, 2020, and this is the Producers Happy Hour, a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts. Christian is in New York City. I'm in Los Angeles, and we're here exploring what it means to be a good producer as we come out of this global shutdown and figure out how to get the film industry back to work safely while still navigating this pandemic. We find ourselves being asked to take on greater responsibilities from a variety of guidelines created by multiple sources and state and local entities. (laughs) Now more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and our ideas. It's the only way that's going to get us out of this mess. (laughs) We all need to share what we know and help each other through it to Mm -hmm. be safe. Yes. So email us your stories or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, colleagues, coworkers, neighbors, backyard buddies. We want these stories to be heard. They're human. And right now we all can, you know, insert a little humanity into our lives. That's for sure. And today we're hearing a really cool story from a wardrobe stylist based here in Los Angeles. Her name is Lindsay Clough. She's a union customer and she's worked in commercials for 15 years. And she's done two full-scale jobs since things have opened back up here in LA. Meanwhile, she's been holding what she's calling safe return to set Zoom calls with her production community where they get together, talk about what's happening on the various sets here in Los Angeles and in other places and kind of comparing notes to make sure everyone's on the same page about what the crew needs to feel safe. Uh, it was an amazing interview. Um, I felt it captivating, but I also, when she was describing it, I could honestly could feel myself there. Yeah. Like the problem she was describing, I was like, Oh, Crap. Yes, like, the, or, the onset problems mm-hmm. that you don't even think about. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I could picture myself like in the back of her motorhome of what she was talking about. And then at crew parking, you know, getting into a van like there, you could just think <laughs> you could almost picture the neighborhood that she was filming in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. It was the faces of all the people. Mm-hmm. So, Christian, you've had quite a week. You wrapped a job and prepping some other jobs. What's going on? What do you? What's happening with well, you? Well, it feels your world? like New York City is back in business, baby. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we're in phase four, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And hearing stories, um, our good friend Chris Wiesenheim, um, the key grip, yeah. was telling me he's been on four different jobs now, and wow. some are run very well, and some are not. I was sent anonymously by somebody completely different. Some of these crew waivers that people are being asked to sign—that's happening. Is that I really know. Happening? I know. And some, you know, and legally, you cannot sign away your rights, people. No. So, no. as much as we're advising you not to sign them. If you do get into a situation where you are absolutely demanding, somebody's demanding that you sign something, which should never happen. But if you do, just understand that legally you cannot sign away your rights. Yeah. Now we're specifically talking about a waiver that says you understand you're going into a high risk work environment mm -hmm. and you will not sue the company. So basically 
hold harmless or mm-hmm. or some sort of release waiver of your rights is what we're talking about. They're more affidavits, I think, that say, like, I've not had these symptoms. Right. Those are pretty benign. Right. Right. They are. And I've also been thinking about, so one of the things that I did on my particular job, because it was, you know, one of the first big New York jobs back, was take about 45 minutes to an hour to discuss exactly how the procedures were going to go, how Mm -hmm. I thought it impacted the job of every key crew member. So starting with director, DP, production designer, wardrobe, hair, makeup, but also the keys, you know, first AC, the DIT, the rip and the gaffer. Like Mm -hmm. I went to everybody and VTR (laughs) and just took (laughs) took a lot guys. An hour is a long time because I wanted to answer their concerns, but I also needed to hear if there were some concerns that I wasn't thinking about. Sure. See if you're missing anything. Right. And so I was thinking to myself, well, that's something great to be able to provide to all crew members, the list of things that production is going to do to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if in exchange, there's a little bit of a ethics or, you know, and please feel free to write in, call in <laughs> on this one. But if there's some sort of exchange and if we're doing a long job, then you as the crew member also will take these guidelines into consideration in your personal life during the course of our job. Ah, Right. Meaning like in exchange for what, you know, we're following the laws and all of this. So when you leave this set, we would really prefer that you not go to like a big white trash lake party. (laughs) 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 You know, if you have, if you're, if your job spends the weekend and people have time off. And I wonder if that is something that ethically we can get behind as a community. That's interesting. Well, this idea popped in last night because it really goes a long way when your crew members understand the work that you're putting into the guidelines and how you're going to protect them. So in exchange, is it okay to ask for their cooperation during the course of your job? Yeah. We don't have to come up with a solution now, but I wonder if that is something that is okay to present. To ask, mm-hmm. yeah, a so, crew person. Please, Interesting. Call in, well, write in. Want to hear your thoughts on that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Lawrence? <laughs> I'm doing good. I was jolted out of bed this morning at 4 something, 4.30, 4.45. For Music video famous. filming on your neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> no. One of our world-famous Los Angeles earthquakes. 4.5, I think, in Pacoima. But it was mild here. But it was enough that I woke up, mainly woke up because of the sound. I could hear it. I could hear the rumbling first before I felt it, and that woke me up. And, uh, yeah, Uh, then I felt an aftershock a few hours later. So that's always fun. You know, let's layer on top of this pandemic a natural disaster. But uh, luckily, it was mild. Nobody was hurt. I don't think there were any injuries or any damage uh, there in Pacoima. So other than that, I'm fine. I'm staying busy and, you know, talking to people about what's going on out there. I don't have any projects yet. So I'm still in the Mm -hmm. boat of the unemployed. There's nibbles, there's things, there's feelers, there's talk of jobs. So I know there's stuff happening out there. So I'm sure something will be. Well, New York's happened. So if you want to come over here and like, I know, uh, I should get on quarantine for two weeks and then get (laughs) on it. (laughs) I should get on a plane and and, and stow myself away and then uh, get to work. Exactly. Actually, talking about that reminds me of Tyler Perry's studio. He's been making the, the PR rounds because. 
They just finished their first series, Sistas, without a single case of COVID-19. And <gasps> Much now better they're than baseball up... can say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then they're, they're going to start up this next show called The Oval. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Have, have you seen the video of the way they do it? They call it Camp Quarantine. No, I did not. But I'm excited. Tyler Perry Studio is built on old military ground. So they turn it into a camp. You go there. They had 360 people check in to run the facility and to work on Sistas. And basically you show up, you quarantine in your room for 14 days. Everything is super sanitary. So you get there, you take your test, you quarantine. And then I think you have to get two negative tests in a row before you can start the job. Right. So the job doesn't start until everyone is negative. And then what happened is they did have some positives during the testing phase, but those got caught. Those got removed. And once they were all negative, then they were able to join and start production. It's a pretty smart way of doing it. And uh, my hat's off to him because he knows that he is employing a lot of people of color. And he knew that people have moved to Atlanta, brought their whole lives to Atlanta because of the opportunities he's providing there at his studio and all the other film work that's happening there as well because of the great tax incentives. So he felt an obligation to figure it out. He brought in epidemiologists. He brought in specialists that could help him devise a plan that could get people back to work, especially people of color, safely and as quickly as possible. So it's pretty astounding. Atlanta is such a great filming society down there. I mean, like they have such a great community that, of course, looking to them for tips is a good thing. So let's talk about this urgent letter to our union leadership. Yeah. Now, this came to us from Lindsay, our guest today. She shared it with her community. Her vast following. Her vast (laughs) following that she's accrued during this time. It's an open letter written by a production designer. It's for every union member to add their name to. I'll put the link in the show notes. It says, we are at a crucial moment of action. We demand our leadership support the utmost level of safety on our commercial sets. Any less than the standards provided to film and TV is unacceptable, which is kind of what's happening. Commercials have kind of been forgotten in all this safety talk. So it's an open letter. It's on Google Drive. You can go sign, put your name onto it, get your voice heard in front of your union representatives. And I think that one of the major takeaways, too, when you guys listen later to Lindsay is commercial industry. Yeah. We really are the test subjects right now. I know that the film and the TV are looking at us because we're the ones who are filming and learning. So we really need the protections too that are afforded to our union brothers and sisters. Yes. Yeah. So check that out. We'll put that link in the show notes. But the other big news, Christian, is CAA just dumped a lot of people, massive layoffs. They sure did. Which is interesting to me because everybody's been trying to string along until things are better. And we opened up a bit early, obviously, in California, you know, and it just isn't going the way it's planned. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting about this story is I think it's foreshadowing. Like yeah. if they thought things were going to get better within the next year, maybe they could limp along, but they don't. Yeah. So they've let yeah. go of people. This is a long term decision. It is. 275 employees are being furloughed and 90 agents and executives they've said goodbye to. Uh, yeah, because they're thinking it's, about their year, their entire year. They're thinking year. about their year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Next year. Exactly. And as we know, we just heard today that we had crazy amounts of retraction in our GDP in mm-hmm. second quarter. Um, the GDP is very much tied into our livelihoods and yes. is tied politically as well. So, yeah, it's scary stuff, man. 
this is the stuff that's bouncing around my head <laughs> during the week because, yeah, the economy, man, it's, it's a mess. One final thing I want to mention before we get to our interview, National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, is an organization that's been put together by a bunch of independent live music venues and promoters throughout the United States because, as we know, they've lost all their income. Yes. They can't open it unless mm. they have a restaurant or something. They cannot open. And we're going to lose all of our small music venues if they don't get some sort of support from the federal government. You can look them up at nivassoc.org. All right, Christian, let's get on with the interview. But first, go to our website, producershappyhour.com. Go to the tab, Do the Work. And on there, we have a lot of anti-racism resources for you to educate yourself on the issues of racism that have long plagued our society as well as our industry. There's a lot of links to actionable things on there for you to support the Black Lives Matter movement. And I want to highlight one petition that is not hit its goal yet, and that's for Ahmed Arbery, mm -hmm. who back in February was mm -hmm. chased and gunned down by Travis McMichael, son of a retired Brunswick investigator Greg McMichael, under the father's and son's pretense of witnessing a burglary in the area. Which is Chased not him down, mm -hmm. and they shot him. This happened in my home state of Georgia, so it was. it's tragic. It's tragic. Yes. So there's a link in the show notes to the petition, or you can find it on change.org. Just search Ahmed Arbery and sign that. Yes, please. And then we still have our take action page up that has rent is due shortly. <laughs> um, feed the freelancers. There's still plenty of people mm. who are hungry and need help. And save the post office. As we know, election's coming, and it's going to yeah. majority of it be vote by mail. Also, we're adding yeah. postcards to swing states and power to the polls. I've signed up yes. for postcards to swing states, which I'm very excited about. Oh, good. Basically, I'm going to yeah. do it, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I signed excited. up for it two days ago, it. so I'm excited. It's postcards to swingstates.com, and what they're mm -hmm. doing is you can order handwritten postcards that you will then send to voters in 10 critical states to increase turnout in November. They write the postcard for you. They give you the addresses. All you need to do is order them. You pay for the stamp put the stamp on it, put the address on it, and send them. So you can have a little postcard writing stamping party to get the word out. And apparently it's really effective. Yes, because a handwritten note goes a long way. But boy, getting that piece of mail is very important to a it lot really of the country. Is. The other thing is we are facing an unprecedented shortage of poll workers, which could mean closed polling places and long delays. So powerthepolls.org is a website where you can go sign up and volunteer yourself to be a poll worker at this for this election cycle. We're going to put both of these links in the show notes. Well, Lawrence, on with our interview. Yes. Lindsay Clough is a Los Angeles-based motion picture 705 costumer who has worked in commercials for over 15 years. She loves the quick pace of the job. It allows her to spend time with both her crew family and her family family, which is two young kids and her line producer husband. When she is not on set, Lindsay is a public education advocate working to bring equitable public education to all neighborhoods. Let's take a listen. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd like to start off by finding out how you're doing. Where are you at right now? How's your health and your family? I'm doing okay. I have two <laughs> small kids, an almost four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and not having school and juggling work or lack of work or possibility of work, all the things has been a lot. So to say I'm doing great 
would be a stretch, but mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. So, and I think that's about all we can hope for right now, just Absolutely. to be okay. And are you yeah. in Los Angeles? Like, what neighborhood, if you don't mind saying? I am. I live in Eagle Rock. Oh, nice. North- so, give us a little background. What was happening right before the lockdowns? Were you on a job? Did a job get canceled? What was your scenario like over the past few months? I was on a job. I've been on a campaign for about nine years now. So we were shooting that campaign, which was nice because it was with really a crew family. It's just really mm-hmm. people that knew really well. And actually, my husband was is the line producer on that job. So we were together on that. And so we, our last shoot date was March 13th. So we really shot ah, into our last yep. day. You got right up there. I mean, I really wasn't thinking about it, no. which now just feels crazy that we were just going into stores and prepping and being normal and hugging and and I remember going to the prelate and the fitting day were on stage and we all kind of were like, are we still hugging? And I was like, of course we're still hugging. Uh-huh. Whatever this coronavirus thing is, is a million miles away. So that was Monday. Monday, we were like, of course we're still hugging. Yep. Right. And then Tuesday, we were shooting on stage. Wednesday, we're shooting on location and it was in a house. And I remember the porch was tented over. So a lot, you know, BTR, camera, were all kind of shoved in this enclosed area with each other. As per usual. <laughs> As per usual. And it was five o'clock. And news broke that the NBA had canceled their season. Yeah, I remember. And then 10 minutes later, they called a national emergency. And then 10 minutes after that, Tom Hanks announced that he had coronavirus. And it was like the air had been sucked out of this tiny little air, what little air was in there. And it was like in that moment, watching an entire crew that you're also very close to realize that something really frightening was happening. I've never been so relieved to just lock it down that next day. And then, I mean, and then school was out and then it was like our whole world was turned upside down. It was like, we don't have a job. I, we just sort of immediately assumed we wouldn't work for a year. Who knows? You know, I knew that the industry would survive, but I just didn't know when. When, yeah. The first five weeks, I would say work-wise, mentally and emotionally, it hadn't really hit me, which was good because I was able to focus on being there for my kids and Right. So this is a whole new world. So let's jump to current day. So you've been working, right? I've been working, yeah. And then you've also been holding safe return to set Zoom conferences, which are amazing. We'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I feel like I worked until the last day you could work. And then I was shocked. I thought that wardrobe department would be one of the last to come back, especially when so many recommendations are... They're like my first call now on jobs. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Shopping people's closets, basically. <laughs> yeah, which I was so grateful for it. So I got a call for a job. I mean, what permits reopened on June 15th, I think. And so mm-hmm. it was shoot that next Monday. Oh, and wow. originally it was possibly going to be remote. They were not sure if it was going to be Georgia or LA. And so it, it ended up here. It was with wow. a producer I've worked with for a long time and who I love. A director that I've worked with for a while and really like. It turned out the first AD was somebody who I knew took this all really oh, seriously. So yep. I felt so good about it. Really, we did the fitting was all remote. They really let me set the terms for it. Oh. I, I was like, this is what I think the best way to do it is. So we did everything through pictures. We did the fitting on Zoom. I had them submit pictures. We did selects, presented it on Zoom to the agency. All that went really, really well. I would say the prep, I was really happy with how that went. Everything takes a lot longer. A lot longer. I mean, just uh-huh. UPS and all the mm-hmm. shipping services mm-hmm. are delayed. And then stores are really low on inventory. So stuff will be showing up through your wrap. Also really important to set those expectations that I will still have great stuff for you, but it's not going to be the 15 racks that I, I might know. have brought other Right. I know. People, you know, they want to believe that everything can be fine and normal. And it's like, nope. I'm going to try to be a miracle worker, but I also have to be safe. And so I really... 
I always try to bring everything back to that word safety. I think that it's important that you're saying set expectations because there are budgets that I've seen and people still don't understand why more prep time is needed for all departments. I think every department needs to explain why they need more prep time. I mean, it's common sense to some of us, but to others who just rely on wardrobe to do their thing may not understand it. So explaining it is paramount right now. Thing too is you're taking people who've been in quarantine. I was in quarantine exactly a hundred days, and then all of a sudden you're working, and part of you is thrilled, part of you is terrified, and then you're like, "Wait, what do I do with my kids?" <laughs> I really felt like I had this huge disconnect between my head and my heart, where I was so excited, I felt picked. You know, I was like, "Oh, I'm like selected to get to do this job," but then my head was like, "We're in the middle of a pandemic. What are you doing? Why would you risk?" We're not in dire straits financially yet. Like, why would you risk yourself for this? But there's just this. I don't know if it's competitiveness or what it is being freelancers that also the fear of if I don't take this job, they won't call me for the future job. So I know. And I think all freelancers have that. But I also think of it myself as setting standards. You'd rather be you out there setting the standard than let someone else out there who's not going to do it as Mm -hmm. properly as you might. And I think, you know, what you said earlier is really important. I think it's something that we've been learning on all these conversations we've been having is that we're so used to being the miracle workers, making anything happen, working hard to make all the requests happen at the, you know, very last minute. And now the landscape's completely changed. And there is this possibility of things not being possible anymore. It's hard for us as freelancers to even think of the word no might come out of our mouth. Yeah, But this is the reality. We have to be okay with that and and be honest with the people we're working with that this is no longer accomplishable. You know, this request or this last minute change or like you said, I'm going to have great stuff for you, but it's maybe going to be a half a rack instead of three racks. Right. And like I said before, just always bringing everything back to safety. So exactly. I would love to do that for you. But unfortunately, the only way for my team to remain safe is to do it this way. There's just so many unknowns right now. And I feel like we're being hit with so many different guidelines and all this stuff. You know, all you can do is just sort of like limit the amount of things that are being exposed, limit the amount of options and extra things that are coming at you so you can really stay focused. So on your most recent job, have you done more than one since we've I've been done back? Two jobs, yeah. two jobs. Okay. So on these jobs, how did you feel the level of safety coming from production was? Did you feel that they had set up a safe environment for you to return to work? I think that production had the best intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that having perfectly safe execution is impossible. And I think that a huge factor in that is this COVID-19 compliance officer a role of which that has not been defined. It has not been empowered and there has, (laughs) is no standard of training. So in both jobs where things started going off the rails, it was because there was not a strong compliance officer. Uh I've heard rumors of PAs being promoted. Oh yeah. I've seen job postings for PAs to PAs. They were not effective. And every night we had the zone system, we had symptom Mm. checks, we had all the good things you wanted to hear. The AICP guidelines were sent out every night. So I felt really good going in. But I noticed on day three of my job that the vans were not being sanitized between use, which had been promised in the guidelines, and that the motorhome was not being sanitized. Those are 101. I'm sorry, Lindsay, I have to stop you right there. I'm not passing judgment on anybody, but 101 is is wiping down that motorhome. Everybody's in it. Yeah. Wardrobe and makeup are viewed as the glam squad, the vanities. We're right. a bunch of divas. You're We're touching the talent extra. the most. <laughs> yeah. We are putting ourselves at the most risk. Yes. I mean, especially for makeup. 
What did you do when you started seeing things kind of go off the rails? Did you speak to the production company, the producer, your union? What did you do and what do you recommend people do? The first thing that I did was I went to the second AD because we were at base camp. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to use my normal tools, which would be to report a safety issue to the second AD. Mm -hmm. He was kind of like, oh, you're right. That's wrong. (laughs) And so then he's like, well, just drive your car to set and figure it out when you get there, which is not Mm -hmm. how I like to operate, but okay. So then I was like, I feel comfortable taking the makeup artist in my car. We're already near each other. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Basically, by day three, I had like reached my threshold, realized these vans weren't being sanitized, reported it to the second AD, took my car to set. Our permit only allowed one car at set. We couldn't even have trucks and things there. So immediately security, locations, gang boss, like descend on me, you know, again, now treating me like I'm being this diva wardrobe stylist who has to have her car on set. And I explained very calmly the vans are not being sanitized. These are the guidelines I agreed to to come to work today. I'm not getting in a van. You're not doing what mm-hmm. was supposed to be done. And, you know, I get a bunch of like, oh, but that's just how things have to be. No. You can't have your car here. This whole mm-hmm. thing while sort of begrudgingly making room for me to leave my car. And <laughs> the answer at any time could have been, thank you for bringing that to our attention. We will right. go sanitize the vans. And I would have taken my car back to base camp because I was not asking for anything more So then I went and found, we had one of the new sanitation companies. So I went and found the sanitation guy and I was just like, Hey, I just want to know. But you had to do this? Yes. Versus, okay. So then he took it as feedback. He's like, there's no way I can be here sanitizing the bathrooms and set and also be at base camp. That's great feedback. Thank you. Like now we know we need to always have somebody also at base camp. So then I finally was like, who is the compliance officer or Mm -hmm. whatever we're getting away with calling them. And he points to me and I go over to this gentleman and I say, hey, I would like you to know that the vans and the motorhome are not being sanitized. Mm-hmm. And he said, go find the sanitation guy and walked away. Yeah. But Jeez. again, that's his yeah. job for the whole day. I was very careful to remain calm, mm-hmm. to not be asking for more than was in the guidelines. You know, right. like I said, it, we're all trying to figure this out. We're all on edge. We're all everything. But these are really simple things. How do you feel? If at all, your union has been supporting you during all this. As a commercial union member, I think a lot of us do not feel supported or included. I remember from my very first kind of initiation day, it was like, oh, how did you get your days? And when I said commercials, everyone sort of looked down at me. So I really had never had any interaction with my union. So I was very shocked when during the prep of this job, I got an email from our business rep. Mm -hmm forwarding an email from IOTSI with my name attached. I guess they'd gotten a hold of the tech scout call sheet uh, Mm -hmm. sheet, and my name was on it. And so they were alerting me to that that company was asking people to sign a COVID waiver. I had not been asked to sign that, but I guess early on it was talked about. So IOTSI was alerting my union that was alerting me that that's illegal, that even if I were to sign it, it's null and void. I try to make sure people know that to never sign away your right to a safe workspace. Right. They admitted, they're like, we feel like we have failed commercial customers in the past. We really want to support you. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. know how to support you. So the reason we started the safe return to set phone calls is because the makeup artist sent you, we'd posted a picture of something that we were working and it just, we were inundated with people asking what's it like, what's happening, you know, and, and it wasn't really until that last day when the boom op comes out and he's like shaken up and he's like, it's been so awful in there. And he's like, the zones have been violated since hour two of this. Nobody's enforcing it. Again, this compliance tech not doing his job. He's like, I haven't wanted to come back to work every single day. I'm so terrified that I'm sick. 
And I was like, whoa, like we've been sitting outside the door of this house for three days. And I had no idea it was that bad inside. So I was like, we need to start talking to everybody and getting everybody's different experiences because we're Mm -hmm. all seeing different things. We're all experiencing different things. And again, the producer and the first AD, despite the best intentions, probably aren't seeing everything. And they're probably walking away from the job thinking everything went really great. It again goes to like, they can try, but they're also like personal opinions on what needs to happen. But the state is mandating certain things, but our industry is not mandating. There's nothing that is, mm-hmm. you know, cohesive or coherent through the guidelines. Mm-hmm. And it's as if every production company has one and the unions have one and the state has one. And they're all just guidelines. And there's a lot of confusion. And when we've tried talking and inviting some people to the calls, it's like, oh no, I've read all the guidelines. Whatever job you were on, that was a bad job. I'll do better. I have the guidelines. And I'm like, until you've done it, you just don't know. I mean, again, always back to this compliance officer and what that role is and that that you have to have this strong person on set who that is their only job. It's something Christian and I have been talking about over 64 episodes is this COVID compliance person is somebody a hundred plus days is somebody that it can't fall on production, even though inevitably there's aspects of it that will. The bulk of the work has to go to somebody that's independent, that's not a part of the production company. We'd love to see it come from OSHA OSHA. or the film offices. Yeah. I mean, even for a producer to tell the CMO of to put his mask back on is, you know, it's we'll do it. But really, there needs to be a proper, strong, regulated COVID compliance officer on sets these days. The FSO, you would never question the safety officer. You would never question FireLink. And certainly can't be someone who's worried about getting rehired by them. Well, I have a question for you. If you think back about the two jobs that you've done, was there one aspect of working that you didn't expect or plan for that came up? There were so many things. The first five minutes, one of the talent walks in and he literally like hands me his bag. And he's like, where do I put this? And I was like, oh my God, what do you mean? Where do I put your bags? Like, keep it like I created this whole sanitation area for my stuff and he's like well can I just put it next to your bag and I'm like no and like in my head I'm like I know I'm not going to get COVID because his backpack touched my backpack but like I'm not used to other humans and and so then it was like well where does the town's personal belongings go and like where do their clothes get hung and and that a lot of talent and extended to crew members too not everybody takes this as seriously as no. I do, or as some other people do. Just because they yeah. don't doesn't mean it's not true. And that's what I was telling people too. Like, just because exactly. you don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm going in with all these beautiful guidelines and all these expectations set and everything. And then all of a sudden I'm dealing with 12 talent who may or may not feel that this is, you know, that putting Real. a mask on is important or mm-hmm. for our department, usually we provide comfort clothes and cover-ups and all that stuff. So then I, so now I've gotten into a habit of emailing the talent the night before and, and the top of the email is always a mask will be worn at all times. The only exceptions are when makeup asks you to take it off or you're actively shooting. There are no other exceptions. Right. And also a reminder to bring your own jacket, bring your own cover-up. Like these things will no longer be provided for you. Yeah. And I also try to get clothing they get it pre-approved that talent can just take home their clothing at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, That's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't be handed me like some stuff no. at the end of the job. We should give that to the talent if it's not returnable. And there was some rentals we had to like, where I had a laundry bag and they could just, mm-hmm. you know, go put it in there. That was a big one. I also, I just like assumed I would walk into a motorhome stocked with cleaning supplies. Cause why, mm-hmm. like what an easy thing. No, nothing. No. Um, so luckily I had like our first stop on prep was target at like 8am, bring your own hand sanitizer, bring your own cleaning supplies. A recommendation I've been giving a lot of wardrobe stylists is like I got one of those continuous spray, nice misting water bottles mm-hmm. and a gallon of 70% alcohol. 
it doesn't stain or anything because we would no, we, get- we use it for stain removal right. even so it's great just like a million different things along the way <laughs> are you going to continue the the safer to set zoom calls with with your community or that's ongoing it's ongoing it's none of it was intentional to be a thing it just was kind of felt like an efficient way to talk to a lot of crew i'm by no means or method or way the authority on anything or an expert on sure. anything but what i've really tried to create is, is a community and a open line of communication. And and what I say on mm-hmm. all the calls is, first of all, no naming of names. I don't want to hear yeah. what no. company no. you worked for, what producer. No. There's nothing about the calls that's meant to be punitive or no. to shame anybody. That's not at all my intention with them. It's to team build and it's to learn from each other's experiences. Because what I learned when that boom op came out of the room all shaken up is that we're all seeing something different. We put up a lot of crap before COVID on our job, like a lot. Yeah. And we're asked to do a lot of things. If you're getting the heebie-jeebies or uncomfortable, you're probably right. Yeah. I actually spoke to the health department because oh, wow. I was really concerned about the COVID-19 compliance officer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, actually, at first I reached out to the county because I was like, if my union's not doing anything, I don't know who to talk to on the commercial side. So I reached out to Hilda Solis's office, our county supervisor. They gave me the contact information for the environmental health division, which that's who you would report a violation of Appendix J, which is the reopening protocol put out by the county of Los Angeles, which is very important for people to understand mm-hmm. that it's the only mandated document. That is the only thing that needs to be followed. Yes. And I feel that that document is very vague and I feel that it gives it is. a big out, especially yep. on testing. 100%. Because the New York guidelines are very specific, mostly. Believe me, there's some loopholes in there. We did more, of course, because, you know, first big job back in New York was important to set some standards. But mm-hmm. now that I'm looking at the LA ones, I'm concerned. They're very vague. It hadn't really dawned on me that commercial union workers were not being included in these negotiations. They weren't. They're not. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. I was like, this can't be right. Like, this can't be right. This is crazy. And then in the middle of that call, I was like, oh my God, like they've been saying it to me and I just haven't. We're a big part of the industry. We're a large part of the industry. We're the, we're the test pool right now. And if we're the test pool, then we need to be doing it correctly or else we're going to get shut back down. It's like, yes, it's going to cost money to do it, but if you want to be shooting right now, you have to pay extra. And and I've been really grateful to a camera operator that was on my last call. He was talking about how in an effort to keep crew numbers down, it now means everyone's kind of doing multiple jobs. Exactly. And so he's like, I have a new rate yeah. and it's a higher rate. And exactly. And so yeah. really, even if it's not necessarily a different rate, but really just making sure that we don't fall prey to this excuse yeah. of, oh, well, budgets are lower or well, whatever. No. No. We're doing the pay same for work. all these additional costs. Yeah, no, no. that should not uh-uh. fall down on the crew. And we deserve the rate that we get. Well, Lindsay, I commend you on putting together this community and these Zoom calls. Are they open to anybody if there was somebody that wanted to join? And how would people get a hold of you? I post them on Facebook and on Instagram. I have an email list going so people could certainly email me. I'm trying to learn how to keep track of all of this. I feel very glad to have been given this opportunity to share my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for standing up for your crew, standing up for your health and sharing your knowledge because that's what we're doing here. We have to relearn this business and rebuild it in a strange way. So sharing the the information is important. So if people want to find you, they can find you on Facebook, Lindsay Clough, C-L-O-U-G-H. Last question before we say goodbye, what do you miss? About life? (laughs) About life? life. Or work? Um, (laughs) You know what I really miss is just the ease in which we did everything. Seeing friends, accepting a job, sending my kids to school. I think that there's so many things we took for granted and it's Mm -hmm. hard having every single decision feel so weighted and so loaded. And 
you know, the simple thing of trying to meet with a friend for a drink or talking to a production company about what a job is going to be. Everything Mm -hmm. just feels heavy and trying to explain to my kids and to navigate them through this has been a lot. But I also know that we're going to look back at this as just this like really incredible pause on life. So it's really important to me trying to kind of manage my own spiraling out that I make sure I'm appreciating and enjoying this really incredible opportunity we're all being given to, I think, pause and reflect on what's important in life and yep. and in our jobs and what our value is. So I think that a lot of good is going to come out of this in the end. That's great. One day. <laughs> One day. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate the time yes. you spent with us today. Thank you. Thank you guys. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I have to say that boom operator story. I know. Sorry, I jumped you. <laughs> you got my uh, takeaway. No, yeah, It goes back to, you know, as producers, we should know exactly what every other crew member does on our set, especially the keys. You have to understand their jobs so you understand what they're yeah. doing. And, yes. you know, she's explaining to her producers why it takes her more time. Well, what might, you know, help us out too is, you know, crew members who normally wouldn't know what each other does, like a, you know, a boom operator and a wardrobe stylist. In the end, you know, it only helps a more cohesive set. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I love what she said about how each person is experiencing a different job. So, you know, it could seem totally safe to one person and then somebody like your boom operator is going home and crying at night because, you know, for them, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. You know, it it is not easy for a producer to be able to put their mind in terms of everyone's physical experience, but we do have to know what their job is in order to make sure that they at least feel somewhat protected. I agree. So, well, Lawrence, this show is edited and co-produced by Rob Blumke. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We are back next week, as always. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and stay active. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean your phone, and if you're leaving the house, wear a damn mask. They're I clean cute. My phone after every time we record, you <laughs> say that. Look, I'm doing it right now. Like me too. Send us your send us your emails <laughs> or your voice recordings to producershappyhour at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. So, Lawrence, if people want to get a hold of you directly, how can they? Mm-hmm two ways for voiceover work voiceoflawrence.com or lawrencetlewis.com how about you christian sisterchristianproduces.com see y'all later bye